Welcome to Entrepreneur Mindset Reset, the podcast for entrepreneurs who want to learn from fellow business owners how to decrease the chaos and increase their sense of fulfillment while becoming more profitable. I'm your host, Tracy Trapeski. I'm an executive coach and consultant and leadership development expert. I'm also mom to two amazing teenagers and a menagerie of adopted furry family members. In each episode, we explore challenges, opportunities, and actionable tips to help you take control of your time and energy and improve your bottom line while staying true to your vision. You'll hear from me and my guests how we've tackled some of the pitfalls and unexpected surprises that entrepreneurship delivers. We're the real deal, and we're here to inspire and encourage you. Let's dive in. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in today for a new episode of Entrepreneur Mindset Reset, the podcast where entrepreneurs just like you and me share how they take back their time and master their mindset to overcome obstacles to their success. As you probably know by now, I am passionate about helping my clients buy back their time and learn to up-level their mindset to that of entrepreneurial CEO, team leader, and amazing healthcare provider. As business owners, we sometimes forget that if we're not tech startups finagling venture capital, we might not qualify as, quote, real entrepreneurs, or we might think we aren't leaders, but we are both. And if we wear another hat, like providing a service, like for my clients, it's being a healthcare provider. For me, it's coaching and consulting. And whatever it is that you do, in addition to running your business, we may feel overwhelmed at juggling all of those titles. Today's guest sheds light on this so beautifully. Lena shares that she has hired her soulmates team and how much she enjoys being accountable to them rather than operating in a top-down fashion. I invite you to consider that you can indeed wear multiple hats as entrepreneur, CEO, and the master of your craft. It's a matter of being self-aware incredibly intentional and trusting that your own soulmates team has your back and embraces and embodies an entrepreneurial spirit. So let me tell you a little more about today's guest, Lena Parmar of Citrus Connect Recruitment. I loved this conversation. We discussed everything from building a team of soulmates to the importance of tracking data for historical learning and future planning to sustainable fashion. Her journey is very interesting from high-level management in the fashion world to creating a very specific niche after losing her fashion job. Lena very clearly stressed the importance of tracking every possible detail in business, which can help shape how you make decisions, write marketing copy, and connect with your clients. As a passionate entrepreneur, it can be tempting to lead with heart and instinct, but if you intend to scale your business and enjoy the freedom you likely proclaimed you were seeking when you took the leap into entrepreneurship, you'll want to listen and take notes when we discuss the importance of tracking data. It's a great reminder of how we can create the scalable, sustainable success we all crave. You won't want to miss when she tells the story about how they flipped the negative narrative about self-employed sales recruitment on its head in the midst of the COVID pandemic. I love how she and her team were able to do a complete 180 and reframe the unsafe message to show just how safe and prosperous it could be in the world of self-employed sales. Lena and her team leaned on the data about people's reasons for working and threaded the data and facts into their marketing message. Brilliant. 
One of my personal biggest takeaways was Lena's advice to make four lists. And here they are. List number one, list the things you're not good at. List number two, list the things you don't like to do. List number three, list the things you're really good at. And list number four, list the things you love doing. This is how you start to write job descriptions when it's time to hire team members. You can delegate the things you're not good at and that drain your energy so you can take all of your good energy to keep doing what you do best. And the bonus is that you're creating fulfilling work for someone else who's good at and loves doing the things that don't light you up. How can it get any better? Our conversation is rich with so much gold, so much gold. We talk relationship building as a major business growth tool. We talk capacity and how to know our limits. We talk values that we bring into our business and we talk being ourselves and how attractive that is for our clients and customers. So much freaking gold. So it's time for you to grab a beverage or a snack and something to write with because you'll want to take notes and settle in to listen to Lena and her amazing journey. Lena, thank you so much for coming today. It's, it's so exciting to have you on the show. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. You know, there's so much that I want to talk about while we were warming up. I was kind of chuckling about some of the personal things and I'm, I'm really connected to the sustainable fashion. So we'll talk about that later. But before we dive in, I love to tell our listeners where you are located in the world. I am actually located in a city called Leeds in the UK, north of London. Uh, for those who aren't familiar with where Leeds is. It's relatively cold and rainy here today, but I love the rain. So I'm a happy bunny today. You're a happy bunny. <laughs> <I love that. laughs> when you said it was cold and rainy, I thought, well, that was my experience of London. <laughs> it <was> kind of gray. <laughs> I grew up in Seattle, so I get very nostalgic when, when there's gray skies and you know it's a hunker yeah. down and read a book kind of day. So yeah, they're the best London. days. They, they're really lovely until they're yeah. like many, many in a row. And then we're, you know, desperate for vitamin D. <laughs> True. <laughs> That's why we drink coffee. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, how exciting. So I would love to hear like, what made you decide to become an entrepreneur? Tell us about what you do and a little bit about your journey and whatever else you want to tell us about what you're up to. Yeah. It's um, an interesting story, really. My career started in the fashion industry Fashion for me was my first love. So I'm happily talk to you about sustainable fashion, you know, for whenever you want to. But um, I found myself in a position where I'd actually lost my job in the fashion industry. And I don't know if anybody's been there in the depths of despair, not knowing what to do with their life, with their career. Fortunately for me, I saw a gap in the recruitment marketplace and that gap was specifically for the recruitment of self-employed salespeople. Fortunately for me, my launch client was actually the Automobile Association and with my help, we increased their sales force by over 100% within an 18-month period. And believe it or not, I did this all with no recruitment experience. All I had was a heart and a desire to serve, but more importantly, a desire to produce results. And for me, you know, if, if I can teach anybody anything about entrepreneurship, it would be to track everything. Because in the first initial months and years, all I did was have papers of tallies 
because I was just tracking all my numbers. I mean, it's it's easier to track numbers in recruitment. And, you know, I'm sure when it's something else that a business more service-based, it's harder. But, um, you know, for me, it was so easier to track how many calls do I need to make to get to understand how many people it takes to get invited to an interview? How many interviews does it take to get a job offer? How many job offers did it, does it take for people to get started? We tracked everything. And once we tracked everything, we really understood, okay, where are the areas of improvement? What's working well? And how can we improve that further? What's not working? What do we need to take out of the process? So the data really informs everything for me. And I think data, if you're an entrepreneur, data should be your best friend. It's your armor. Um, And that's what I used in order to grow my company to where it is today. So I run a recruitment company specializing in all types of sales roles in the UK nationally. We have a specific niche for self-employed personnel, but we also recruit for telesales and field sales, account managers, um, managers, anything to do within sales, we would recruit for. Uh, We have a team of six people, a team that I call my soulmate team. I believe as an entrepreneur that you have to work with people who are soul mate team members. You know, I think HR is no longer a business function, in my opinion. It's really an emotional function within any business. Um, people need to feel part of a family almost, I think, in business now. So I love working with my team every day. Um, but more importantly, we're here to produce the results that our clients are looking for. And we work hard with our heart, our soul, with integrity and honesty to produce the results that we do for our clients day in, day out. Mm, I love that. You know, you said a couple of things that I think our listeners need to, to be aware of. And certainly as an entrepreneur, a lot of us work from instinct and intuition. And this is a very good thing because it helps us jump over a lot of, um, other people's opinions and barriers and whatnot, but data, data is where it's at, right? So I often tell my clients who are generally scientists, they're mostly physicians and practitioners that I work with, um, you know, lead with your heart and bring your brain along because (laughs) we need to be able to, to like, look at the proof. Like sometimes we can go on instinct and, and it's a, gets us great results. But if we can gather data along the way, it can really inform where we need to make adjustments and how how we can scale. I don't think we can really scale our businesses without data. I think that's yeah. asking for trouble. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And it and it's so important to understand from a from a team perspective as well. I mean, when my team are working on a day-to-day basis, you know, one team member will say to me, I've had a really rubbish week and and it really affects their morale and their productivity. But their numbers will tell me a different story. And sometimes your feelings and your emotions are actually not the real story, but it's the data that will tell you the real story. Because sometimes how we're feeling could be a residual emotion from something that's happening at home. And it's not necessarily what's happening at work. So data will always tell you the black and white, whilst your emotions could be a residual from anywhere else. And it could be a little bit of falsehood there as well. So, you know, I think there's nothing more black and white or 
more truth, if you like, than there is in, in data, especially within, within, our, within our business, for sure. Yeah. And it's, it's so I'm, I coaching is my main business and I use data in different ways. Like I'll, I will interview clients and past clients and ask them very specific questions. So I ask the same, like three or four questions in a 15 minute quick, like exit interview. And I get enough information that I can compare it to what Mm -hmm. other people say. So it's not like hard data, but it's patterns. And so in my business, patterns are everything. So, you know, when I see those patterns and I can compare them, now I know, you know, a little bit more about how to market to prospective yeah. new clients and what is and isn't working with what I'm doing mm. with my with my clients. And so, mm. you know, no matter what kind of business one might be in as an entrepreneur, it's really, really easy to get hung up in the day-to-day of working in the business, yeah. but it's really important for us to zoom out. In, in my opinion, looking at data and spending time understanding it is more about working on the business. Like you learn where to make the shifts and where to make the changes. Yeah. So and even in this like technological age as well, you know, if you think about marketing, marketing is just data as well. It especially totally now. Yes. You know? It's like how many visitors do you need to your website to get a conversion? Mm-hmm. You know, and if you want X amount of convert conversions, how many visitors do you need to get there? Okay. Where's that traffic going to come from? What are your top three sources? What are their conversions? And it, it's, you know, for me, it all comes down to numbers. And interestingly enough, numbers is not my strength. Mm, mine neither. I am the one who <laughs> leads from the heart, um, yeah. actually. I am the, the vision caster. You know, I want to go there and I want to go there now. And it's interesting for me, what I've learned as an entrepreneur is to have people in my team where I have weaknesses. You preempted a question I was going to ask. When you're talking about soulmate, you know, a team of soulmates, I was going to ask, do you hire people who who have complementary skills and strengths to yours? So you answered the question, but tell us more about that. Because I think this is also really key. It's really... It's really tempting as an entrepreneur to hire someone who's just like us. Yeah. It's usually a recipe for for dissatisfaction, at least, you know, if Mm. not a little bit of disaster. Because I mean, I know, I know what wears me out. So I hire people who for whom that gives them life. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) So yeah. I mean, in a business, it's always going to be a core function. You know, for me, it's a recruitment business. So I need recruiters on the phone every day. As much as I love recruiting and I love being on the phone, it's not practical for me to to do that all day, every day. So I do need a team of people on the phone, resourcing candidates and, and speaking with clients. But on the other flip side of it, as an entrepreneur, the place where I would start well, where I started is I, I made a list of things that I'm not good at. And I made a list of things that I don't like doing. And I made a list of things that I'm really good at and that I love doing. And from this, you actually can create amazing job roles for people where they fill in the blanks for you and your team becomes so physically strong, mentally strong, and it fills in the gaps where the gaps needed need to be filled. So, you know, for me, my ops manager is where my biggest weakness was because I don't, as an entrepreneur, you know, people feel like you're, you should be the one managing people. 
you should be the one telling people what to do, calling the shots. For me as an entrepreneur, it's actually the other way around. I love it when my team hold me accountable, where I'm answering to them because it makes the team work so, so much more like a well-oiled machine. And it's less pressure than on me as an entrepreneur as well. So my ops manager is really the key to, to, to my business because she manages the money, she manages the targets, she manages all the data, the number. I just have to tell her what my vision is. She will come up with the plan to get me there and often rein me in because I need reining in. And entrepreneurs often do, right? You know, they need, because they want to get there today and it's impossible to get there today. So you need somebody who can see the black and white. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But you need somebody who can see the black and white for you and say, okay, we can get you there, Lena, but maybe not today. Maybe Mm -hmm. not yesterday. But if we do it in a planned way, we can get you there on X date. And then you can look at that plan and go, okay, am I happy with that? Well, how can we make, if you do want to get there quicker, how do you make it quicker? But in a planned way, because entrepreneurs have uh, sometimes a temptation just to run before they can walk. Um, And it's really important that you definitely learn how to crawl before you can walk, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. You you know, I think for for our listeners who are visionary, this is super important that most visionaries don't want to be, you know, mired down in the details and it's the details and the data and the fine tuning that actually makes a business scalable and sustainable and, and profitable. Mm. (laughs) And so if that's not your strength, it doesn't mean you're, you know, a bad, there's no binary anyway, you're not a bad business person or bad at this, or, or even that you're not meant to do it. I mean, it sounds to me like your ops person, like makes it, so that you can continue to be visionary and operate yes. at that at that level yeah. where you shine or in your zone of genius, as some people yeah. call it. You know, yeah. yeah. I think I think that's a really important key too, is knowing that ab- about oneself. Yes. You know, and and I find it draining if I have to micromanage someone. Right. If it gets to the point where I have to tell them, I mean, upfront, I can go through lots and lots of detail and, yeah. and share my vision and what the outcome is and deadlines and all of that. And I just get really organized around that. And then I literally don't want to talk about it until yes. it's done. Yes. <laughs> yes. Come back to me if you have questions anytime or yeah. clarifications. Yeah. And or when it's finished. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And I always say, you know, when I talk about employeepreneurship on some of my other podcasts that I've that I've been spoken on, if your manager is asking you for an update, you've left it too late. Mm, mm, that's a really good point. You know, and if your clients are asking you for an update, you've left it too late. Mm. It's your responsibility to manage your manager. And I say this to my team every single day. We don't want to micromanage you. You know, people don't want to do that. It's your responsibility to manage my expectations based on the targets that you've been given or the responsibilities that you've been given. Did you find it challenging to step into that role or was that pretty natural for you as you hired team and started working with people? I've learned a lot. Nothing was natural to me. Mm. Nothing. Everything I know today about my entrepreneurial journey I've had to learn and learn it the hard way. 
it's not Hailing been pretty. Forward. <laughs> <laughs> it's not been pretty. And I'm sure I could have got where I am today a lot faster had I known everything, but I wouldn't give up the learnings and the way that I learned for, for anything because it's made me who I am today. Mm-hmm. And it's made me the entrepreneur that I am today. But the way that I have it now, I feel like is a place where we can really scale up now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you're doing like great work. Like I looked at your website and I thought, wow, I mean, this is, you know, this is clearly legit. I mean, you've been around for a while. So 2009, you started? Correct. Yeah. Right. So from 2009 to now, and then seeing that you got some accolades in the last year, is it, um, let me remember, I have it written down to make sure I got it right. So best sales recruitment in Yorkshire in 2021. Correct. Okay. 2021 smack dab in the middle of a global pandemic. How did that go? (laughs) What's that? With the great, I don't even know if we're calling it the great resignation. I feel like it's more like the great reflection and recalibration, but in in any case, it must've been different. It was, I mean, it was incredibly initially it was scary as it was for for everybody you know I think fear gripped all of us because it was such an unknown and we'd never dealt with anything like this before but I have such great relationships with my clients that although paying recruitment bills wasn't their priority you know we still supported each other in any way that we could so that when we we did see any light we were at, at a position to go for it, you know, and and keep going and maintain the relationship that we have, you know, as a business, our income and revenue stopped overnight and you can't get more scary than that. So we had to pivot our own business, but we used it as a time to do some great marketing, get in touch with people who may want to use our services in the future. We helped our clients pivot what they were currently doing. And I'm, I'm proud to say that we did not lose even one client during the pandemic. Wow. And that's because of the relationship that we've built. Interestingly enough, my Instagram post today was about learn more about people than you do your product and services and you will be unusually successful. And that's something that one of my mentors taught me. And everything that I've done from day dot has always been about maintaining the best possible relationship that I possibly can with my clients and my candidates. Yes, it's about the service that you give, but it's actually more about the relationships you build. And because we had such great, great relationships, you know, 2021 was actually a record-breaking year for us at Citrus Connect. Amazing. Yeah. And that's when, you know, that's recruiting for self-employed sales roles where people would feel that that's the most insecure thing you could do in a pandemic. However, we flipped that on its head and we showed people how it could be the most secure thing for you to do. So it was all about the messaging and the relationship building that we that we had as a business to, to get that accolade in 2021. Mm. I think that speaks also to your personal resilience and that of your team and an ability to be resourceful, right? I'm... I know of a lot of people and businesses that just came to a screeching halt in 2020, mine as well. Like mm-hmm. all the great awesomeness that I had planned was for live events. <laughs> <laughs> that stopped. And I had about a day and a half where I was kind of like, huh, I don't really know what to do. 
So I just went outside and walked around and stared at the sky and did whatever. I did not allow myself to go to that super panicked space. And everybody who I know who was able to shift their business, either a major pivot or just a you know course correction, has said they did something along those lines. It was like, okay, okay, we don't know how long this is. <laughs> we first we thought it was six weeks, right? So <laughs> six week lockdown, we'll be fine. We'll get right back to work and school. <laughs> Very funny, right? So we've we've all learned a lot, but I think that you know your ability to take a narrative and do a 180 degree turn with it and then blow the roof off of your business is like mind-boggling. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. But we found a lot of, I mean, the recruitment market has changed in, incredibly mm-hmm. since mm-hmm. COVID. You know, we're finding that the the profile, the candidate profiles that we used to work to pre-COVID, we now work to so many more post-COVID because people are just so much more open. Why people go to work has changed. Mm. It yeah. really, really has. You know, it's, it's yes, people want to earn money and they want to earn good money, but they also want to be part of something. It's the culture and the values that are, are so, so important, you know. I think there's a, there's a stat, and I'll try and find it, um, that 70% of high-retention risk, high risk employees want to leave because they feel undervalued and see no future advancement in their current job. And that was from medium.com. So, you know, that culture, people want to feel the, the company culture, and they also want to feel valued. And that's what people are looking for in work now. Mm-hmm. We've had corporate directors consider a self-employed sales role because they don't want the corporate stress anymore. They want to spend more time with their family and their mm-hmm. children. So we've seen so many changes with what people are wanting from work and life, and it's changing still every day. It's not stabilized yet. The recruitment market has stabilized. I mean, the job ads were at an all-time high in the UK. They reached up to about 2 million. There are about 1.8 million at the moment, but um, it's still an, uh, a record high in comparison to, to pre-COVID. So unemployment wasn't the issue. The issue was skill gap. Mm-hmm. The skills weren't there that were required in the marketplace. And the reason why people were going to work or were wanting work was so different now to then pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. Do you, are most of your, the people who you place, are are they in a particular age range? Is it, what you're saying sounds a lot like Gen Z. <laughs> My kids yeah. are very much like that. But I think that it's more than that. So that's why I'm asking. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we recruit all age groups. Mm-hmm from anybody in their early 20s right up to someone who's probably five years away from retirement, possibly. So this is going across the board, absolutely. So it's a shift. Anytime life turns upside down, (laughs) we get reflective. And so, you know, I'm not going to pretend like this has been a great time for people, but this has been one of the outcomes is that people are being more thoughtful and wanting to be connected to a purpose one way or another. And so I I think I find it really fascinating that it's shifting like that because we were, you know, here in the US, I have some clients who are like, we are having a heck of a time finding people to work for us. Even people who are highly qualified for medical type positions with my clients. And I'm thinking, where are these people? What are they doing? But then I look at the stats and I see that a lot of people are deciding to go, you know, to be 
independent contractors and to have more control over their own time and energy and earning potential and all of that. So I find that super fascinating, Um, especially considering like with your business, you have such a a specific niche. (laughs) And this is something I would love to talk about because I think a lot of times when when entrepreneurs, when we start our businesses, we think we're going to serve everyone. A lot of people do. And then quickly learn that that is just headache after headache after headache and so much more work. Yeah. Um, but the idea of narrowing a niche can be really scary. Did You said that you saw a gap in the market when you started your business. Did you ever adjust your niche or have you? has this always been who you work with? Always been. I've always done sales recruitment. Started off um, self-employed. Sales recruitment was our particular niche. And we've stayed very much true to that. Yes, we've expanded outside of that. And we now recruit for employed roles, which are telesales or field sales or management. But 80% of our business is still the niche that I started with in the beginning. And what I find is having a niche is super important. It's where you can grow your business phenomenally because you don't want everybody. You wouldn't be able to deal with everybody. So why would you want to do everybody? If you niche down, what becomes easier for you is your messaging. Mm -hmm. And once you have got that messaging nailed, people will be magnetized to you. They will be attracted to you. So if you niche down, your messaging becomes clear. When your messaging becomes clear, the people who you are looking for find you. Some mm-hmm. way, some way or another, those people will find you. They'll be magnetized. They'll be attracted. They'll be referred. And that is the other thing that's been so important to our business is the power of referrals and the power of word of mouth. Whether that's clients that have come to us through word of mouth or whether that is candidates that have come through to us from word of mouth, it's been one of the most powerful marketing strategies for our business and Mm. a marketing strategy that people don't talk about a lot. It's a huge one though. And I think it ties back for you to the connections and the relationships that you build. And this is another shift that I'm observing in the market. I do a lot of observing (laughs) and I feel like, you know, we're starting to finally, I mean, this is not news, but we're starting to finally see, you know, like Harvard Business Review putting out articles about, you know, empathy being the key factor in leadership. We're starting to see, you know, more and more conversations here, see and hear more and more conversations about making deep connections and how relationship is the most important thing. If you want to have a company culture, you need to connect with people. It can't be top down. And so we're starting to see these shifts and changes. And it sounds to me like you it may be ingrained in who you are and maybe you learned along the way also, you know, but it sounds like it's something that's part of who you are as a human, that you connect with people and you make relationships a priority. Is that true? It's definitely something that I learned from my dad because we were a very traditional immigrant family with a local corner shop. You know, my dad had his news agency from when I was about five years old So I've watched my dad build relationships from day dot and he has inspired my entrepreneurial journey no end. Mm. But because I saw him do it, watching him at a young age, you learn from that. And then for me, you know, I used to work in the shop from a really young age as well. I think I was about eight by the time I was having adult conversations with customers (laughs) in the shop. So I think I learned the skills of 
having conversations and building relationships from a young age. But understanding how important relationships are in business, I think I learned from my mentors. Because naturally, I'm actually very introverted. and, And I know people will say that a lot. And you find that even all these people who are really confident in front of the camera on YouTube and social media, behind the closed doors, they all say, I'm actually an introvert, you know? So I think relationship building for me has been a skill I've had to learn in business, but I've also had the privilege and the head start by watching my my father do that day in, day out. You know, my dad is just a phenomenal human being, you know, mm. in our local village. Everybody knows who my dad is. Yes, because he has owned the local shop, but also because he's just created this personality about himself. And everywhere he goes, it's, you know, everyone knows his name. Mm. That's awesome. He's like, he's like the OG. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I I love that. You know, I think in the age of technology and because I'm Gen X, I'm probably going to sound kind of old, but it's not that I I love and appreciate technology and I text and all that stuff. But like, I think that we've lost a little bit of our, our ability for personal touch and being forced into lockdown seclusion for our safety and well-being and for that of our, you know, community maybe made us realize that more than we were. Like I've noticed that like my children who are, you know, they call themselves screenagers, they are craving more time with their friends and now that they can and we know how to do it safely and all of that they're like hardly ever home and they're just mm-hmm. out with their friends sometimes just sitting in a car having long conversation. Mm-hmm. I th- I feel like human nature like maybe some of that disconnect that we had, we're leaning our way back to it. And I love that you that you can reflect on your experience of your dad and and, and growing up in an entrepreneurial family mm-hmm. to be able to take lessons from from that. Um, yeah. That's very sweet. I think one one other thing that I want to say about relationship building, though, and I think this thing is hugely important, is the importance of being authentically you. You can't you know, quite often in business, and and this is just my view, but often in business, we are taught to build a persona. But if that persona is not authentic to you, then that persona is false and you can't build a relationship on that false persona. I strongly believe that the relationships I have with my clients today is because I am just so authentically me. And authentically me means sometimes holding my hand up to a client saying, I'm not sure I'm going to meet this. You might want to get somebody else to come and help us because I don't want to let you down. Mm. And these are the kind of conversations I will have with my client because I'm not allowing their business to fail because I failed them. I'd rather be honest, be authentic. And that is actually a relationship building conversation because what that does is it builds trust, but you can only build trust when you are authentic. And you are authentically you and your heart shines through your rawness. It's they want to, anybody now in relationships want to see your heart and soul, unfortunately or fortunately. Mm-hmm. And unless that shines through, it's really challenging to build those long lasting relationships, those relationships that bury themselves in trust, you know, and then 
grows a seed from that to a flourishing relationship because it was grown with the seed of trust. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And trust, you know, trust is rightfully fickle. It's, you know, yeah. it can be fragile. And, and I think that the either people not being themselves, well, for whatever reason that they're not being themselves, there's a lack, that lack of that authenticity, it has a smell. <laughs> people may not be able to put their finger on it. Yes. But it has a smell. And yeah. you know, you're so right about that. I mean, one of the things that that I talk with my clients about a lot is, you know, you don't have to have an amazing bedside manner. I mean, some some of my clients are very direct and they're super linear. <laughs> yeah. And like you just that's okay. I mean, this is yeah. a good thing, right? You're you're a puzzle solver. You go and you look for the root cause and all that. And these are really important things. It's okay to not be like friendly and cheerful and over the top, but be yeah. yourself and like allow yourself to have a warm interaction yeah, with your absolutely. patients or your clients in your case. And so, you know, and you were talking about introversion and it's, I think there's such a misconception around, oh, if somebody's introverted, they don't like people. That's like hermit. Yeah. <laughs> like that's a very different, that's, you know, way different um, on the spectrum. I mean, introversion, I think for the most part, just, people who I know who are introverts, I'm kind of like an ambivert, but the people who I know who are introverts just get really tired from conversations that don't have depth. Yes. So small talk, like my husband, if we're ever in a situation where there's lots of people, he's, he's the guy who you'll find, you know, sitting or standing at or near the bar, either talking to one person or just yes. observing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm out, you know, walking around talking to everybody for like yeah. 20 minutes and then I'm tired too. But I think that it's, you know, it's important for us to know about ourselves, how we function best and what, you know, what our needs are socially mm-hmm. and what our limits are, because it helps mm-hmm. us like recharge our batteries. So, yeah. you know, as you're saying, you know, you know that you're an introvert, you show up to me, you show up very personable and with lots of energy and you may need like, you know, 10 or 15 minutes to yourself when we're done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, Absolutely. I just peopled for a while. Now I need a break, yeah. you know? <laughs> it's true, you know, because yeah. the weekends, it's all about rest and rejuvenation for me. And I mm-hmm. tend not to do a lot at the weekends because I talk on the phone all day, every day, five days a week. Yeah. So when it comes to the weekend, I'm, I just want to be in my apartment with myself and my thoughts just to we stabilize. (laughs) So I'm ready for Monday, you know? Yeah. I think it's important to know that too, because I think one of the things that, you know, we have this whole hustle culture thing going on where we've been, we've been conditioned to, you know, work until we break and we have to unlearn that, especially as entrepreneurs, Mm -hmm. because if we don't have limits and we don't have boundaries and we don't draw those lines, we literally run out of energy. I mean, it's not, there's, we cannot, we can't fill anybody else's cup if our cup is empty. And for those Absolutely. of us who are in service businesses and we're giving, we have to replenish. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. It's We've got one of our values at Citrus Connect is capacity. Mm. And we talk about understanding our own capacity, understanding the capacity of others, because that capacity might not be the same. Mm-hmm. And once you understand your own capacity of what you have room to do, you then understand what you have room not to do. Mm-hmm. So it allows you, it gives you that permission almost to say no and feel good about it. 
Yeah. Because actually, if I say yes, I'm not going to give you the best version of me because if I say yes, I will be above capacity. Yeah. And that for me has rocked my world, changed it because I live within my capacity now and I'll do, I will not go over capacity if I can help it, even if that, Mm. that means saying no. I love that. It, you know, it's like the honest yeses and the honest noes. Yeah. And coming back to capacity, we can increase capacity when we have a team that has complementary strengths to yeah. ours. So it doesn't always have to be personal. I think yeah. entrepreneurs need to hear this, especially very small businesses or solo entrepreneurs. You don't have to do everything. If you don't currently have the cash flow or enough work to bring on full-time team, outsource something to a contractor. (laughs) Do it now. Yes. (laughs) Make that list, like make the list, the four lists, right? The things I don't like, the things that drain my energy, the things I love and the things that are easy for me. Make those lists and then find a virtual assistant or whatever, someone who can take on those responsibilities for you. Absolutely. It's a game changer. It's a huge, I mean, when I... I did that and mm-hmm. I found my executive assistant and that was a complete game changer for me. And it wasn't a specific job spec. It was just, these are the list of things I need you to do. Can you help me? And <laughs> she has now been with us for nearly a year and a half and she is amazing and it. has made the life of Citrus Connect and me just so much easier. Yeah, and it's yeah. it's so funny how something that would take an admin or somebody who's doing some other work. For me, it's always admin. Something that might take your EA an hour might take you and me two or three because yes. it takes an hour to gear up for it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> an hour to do it, an hour to recover. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And, and they get it done and they're like, woo, spreadsheets light up my world. Exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's, all- it's huge, right? That whatever you pay them you know, especially if you're a numbers person, like, okay, so break it down. My hourly rate, if I had one is this, and I'm paying this person this, I've just freed up three hours of my time. So in theory, I could turn around and make that money. Mm -hmm. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's exactly what you said. It's about zooming out. You know, I love that, that term of zooming out because Mm. every time I'm in a situation like zoom out, Lena, zoom out, what can you see? And then the problem becomes so much smaller. Yes. Yeah. That 10,000 foot view really changes our perspective. Oh, 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. Another thing I like to do is flash forward two years or something and just, or maybe three and stand on the other side of it when the scaling and the things that I've been working toward have happened. Because when we look back, all that trash that we thought was going to get in our way is handled. And now Mm. we have a different perspective as well. So reverse engineering is a great way to work through goals. Yeah, absolutely. And that's where data comes in because with data, Mm. you can reverse engineer it. Yeah, And that's what I love about data is that data isn't just about the past, but it's about how you plan for the future. Mm -hmm. Mm. You know, you can reverse engineer data to then project how you're going to get to where you want to get to and your goals. Mm. Amazing. Gosh. I think, you know, bringing that back. I mean, I think one of my biggest takeaways from our conversation is do not neglect the data. There are times when I'm kind of like, ah, I don't want to, you know, but I know, I know logically not to do that. Um, I might still put it off until, (laughs) 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 till my, my EA who also has a marketing and PR uh, background and does a little bit of that for me. It's like, um, Tracy, (laughs) (laughs) you need to look at this. (laughs) Yeah. You got to look at this before we finish our conversation. Okay. 
you know, now I just know better because I don't want to waste her time either. But, you know, the data is really key. It can really inform us. I think, you know, it is very possible to be heart-centered and to run a business from our heart. And the data can actually help save us time and energy and heartache and heartbreak over the things that we maybe thought we had an intuitive hit could work and then yeah. nothing backed it up. You know? but sometimes yeah. I think it's good to take that leap of faith and just go try something that somebody's yeah. never done. And sometimes it works and sometimes, you know, we just learn something from it. But yeah, I think the data is really key and having your team around you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's yeah. that soulmate team. You know, if anyone wants to build a team, for me, it has to be a soulmate team. Mm-hmm. I tell my team every day I love them and I genuinely mm-hmm. mean that I love them. But it's not something that I would have found in my corporate career when I was working in fashion, you know. So I well, think you it's say important. that you got HR on your back. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> True. But um, yeah, like just telling them when they've done a good job and just valuing them and giving them an opportunity to grow and to make mistakes like I always say to the guys here make mistakes what's the worst that can happen the best thing that can happen is that you can learn from it you know so don't be fearful of trying something new what's the worst that can happen and it's our most common phrase here actually what's the worst that can happen I love that. Well, I think, you know, also if we're not making mistakes, then we are not, we're not pushing the boundaries. And why would we be an entrepreneur if we're playing safe? Yeah. Is playing safe. and, And I'm not knocking the corporate world. I had a great career. I just learned I'm fundamentally unemployable. (laughs) 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 Or like my husband works in the corporate world and he's very happy in his chosen career and loves what he does and all of that, right? So, but the corporate world isn't as safe as people make it out to be. I witnessed events of two years ago when businesses started, you know, laying off and downsizing and all of that. And, you know, it's just as a function of what happens, but I think it's a facade. Like it's just not, it's not real. It Mm -hmm. looks like it's safe, but for those of us who have, the desire to go do something on our own, go big, go splash, you know, make a, make a big ripple out there and be willing to take risks. Um, you know, obviously in ways that doesn't put your life in jeopardy or your family and, you know, but yeah, I think it's the mistakes are how we learn. A lot of times mistakes show us another way to do something. Exactly. Yeah. Like it's just, I don't think, you know, what's the worst that can happen is a great motto. I love that. And it's always about challenging the status quo for us here, especially when it comes to our marketing. It's like, how can we challenge it? How do we challenge the way people are thinking at the moment so they will will understand the messaging that we're trying to put out there? And it's challenging that status quo, which I think small companies and entrepreneurs can do very, very well. Mm -hmm. We don't have as much hierarchy, right? I mean, Mm. we have either we are the decision maker or we have access much more quickly and we're not trying to turn an entire barge, you know, mm. for, for me, it's a dinghy. Mm. <laughs> it's, a small, it's a small shift. It doesn't take long to make that happen. Um, before we go to our final questions, can you tell us a little bit about sustainable fashion? I'm super intrigued and I love that you came from the world of fashion and then went into a very data heavy <laughs> business from something that sounds so creative. So, yeah. 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 So, I mean, I've always wanted to work in fashion from being a child. I used to dress my Barbie dolls in lots of different outfits and 
um, even when I was at school, I wanted to be a fashion designer, but because I was academically very good at school, my teachers actually discouraged me from, from doing that. But I found another way to, to get into fashion. And um, I ended up working in high-level management with a, a huge retail outlet. And it introduced me to a world of fashion. And at that time, I didn't realize that it was the world of fast fashion. Mm. And it was only when I went into this side of fashion um, and I traveling around the world with my corporate career that I realized that there was a sustainable fashion side of fashion that I'd never really entertained. I mean, I'd never studied fashion at school, so I didn't really understand that there was this side of fashion. But, you know, fast fashion has such a negative impact on the environment data that I would love to get into, but it's just so vast. But for me, you know, I have adopted a life of simple living and mindful living. And that is really understanding how I vote with every pound I spend. What behavior am I attributing to with every single dollar or pound I spend, whether it's on food and for this conversation, an item of clothing. And then when I did um, lose my job in the fashion industry, I decided to look, delve deeper into the sustainable fashion side of things and ended up doing some consultancy and buying work for an ethical fashion store, which opened huge doors for me of brands that I wasn't even aware of who would use, you know, eco-friendly materials, whether that's recycled whether that's repairing existing garments that you have so you're not sending them into the landfill, thrifting, swapping, this whole idea of slow fashion. You know, when I was a young girl or when I was working in fast fashion, it was always a different trend every spring, every summer, every autumn, every winter. And so now you have this concept of slow fashion where it's buying, but buying well, buying something that's going to last you for a very, very long time. So this whole idea of of slow fashion and circular fashion, but also kind of ethical fashion as well. You know, I don't know if you know about a campaign called Who Made My Clothes? I don't. And it was a movement that was created by the collapse of the Rana Plaza building in 2013 in Bangladesh. Not only did it take the lives of 1,138 clothes makers in Bangladesh, but injuring 2,500. And it actually removed all the blinkers on a capitalist fast fashion industry. An industry at that point that where global brand owners thought it was acceptable to pay offshore factory workers a pittance while passing on a very tiny percentage of the saving onto the public. You know, if you're gonna if you're gonna do that, then pass on the saving. But they did it to line their own pot- pockets, and I'm not saying that's the wrong thing, or, or, or you know, they did the business however they thought was right for them. But what is wrong is the conditions that these people had to work in, where they lost their lives or were injured. And I think this campaign really opened up the eyes of people, and it opened up the doors for sustainable fashion. Um, an ethical fashion to really have a voice and a place. And now there are so many brands and I have so many favorite brands that I work with, but I always, for me, it's important that I vote the kind of world I want for myself 
and the future generations with every single pound I spend. And when it comes to fashion, I will only spend money on brands which align with the values of slow, ethical and sustainable fashion. Mm, I love that. I think it's, it's not as hard, I think, as some of us might think it is. We just need to spend a little time. Yeah. And this, this aligns with one of my mantras, which is slow down in yeah. order to speed up or scale up. Yeah. If we slow down, we actually can put our finger on the pulse and yeah. see what's going on. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's Oh, you're so welcome. It highlights, I think, again, how you approach all things, right? Very thoughtful, very intentional. And, you know, I'm sure that there are times if you're wired up this way that you want to charge out of the gate, but it sounds like you know how to, to rein in or have your friend, your business friends rein you in yes. um, in order to pay attention and not miss things. So yeah, yeah. thank you for sharing that story. Oh, you're it. so welcome. Oh my gosh. Well, before we sign off, I just have two more questions. The first is how can we support you and where can we find you? Absolutely. Um, well, you could support me by obviously listening to this podcast, but um, you can find me at www citrus-connect.co.uk. That's the uh, company website. We do have a free gift on there for people. Um, So if you're looking for a a job, we have um, a free gift, which is the seven secrets to your resume success, which is a free guide full of templates to really help you build the CV or the resume to get you the interview that you want so you can get your dream job. Um, So there's a free gift on there for you. Um, And please feel free to connect with me on Instagram, uh, which is one lena.palmer and my profile on LinkedIn, where I will be the founder of Citrus Connect Recruitment. Wonderful. We will share all of these links in the show notes. So all you have to do is click on them. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. Thank you for having me. It's been so enjoyable to speak with you today. This has been such a great conversation. I really appreciate you taking the time. Before we sign off, do you have any parting thoughts, a piece of wisdom that you'd like to share with our listeners? I think the The biggest piece of wisdom I'd like to share is just be you, be authentically you. People get attracted to who you are. As long as you are authentic, you lead with your heart and your soul, obviously with the data in your back pocket. Mm -hmm. um, But, you know, just be authentically you. When I started doing that, it was amazing how much business I attracted. Mm, I love that. Thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. I've enjoyed our conversation. No problem. My absolute pleasure. Thanks again. Thank you for listening to this episode of Entrepreneur Mindset Reset. Be sure to click the subscribe button so you'll never miss a show. As you know, reviews are what help your fellow entrepreneurs find the right podcasts for them. So please leave us a review and tell your friends about us so more people can hear the valuable information we share in each episode. If you are a medical practice owner and you're struggling with overwhelm from the daily business operations and decisions and trying to manage your time and all that juggling, schedule a talk with me by visiting my website at tracytrapesky.com forward slash medical hyphen practices. Link is in the show notes. We look forward to hearing from you and celebrating your success.